Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Y Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Etches Adoku. On today's episode, in the fallout from the ESL scandal, European Super League, we'll be looking at whether football is still a working class game or if the traditional fan is now priced out of the game. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Etches, how are you? Have you got over the defeat um, midweek for Arsenal or do you think it was a good result in the end? Uh, yeah, uh, Adrian, how you doing? That's a yeah, really bad. interesting question. <laughs> um, so what it was, I was... Um, Box Park Shoreditch uh, with a friend and I promised, I, did, I didn't actually know the game was going to be on there and it's really, really hard to describe to people that haven't been to Shoreditch Box Park but there was like a screen in front of me, like a like a window and mm. if I looked in the window, I could see the reflection of the match in the distance. Oh, no. And, yeah, but I could, but there's no commentary. I've just the screen. Yeah, and basically a guy started dancing around early door so I thought, fucking hell, Arsenal, you know, we've scored. And uh, it was actually a bit of rail scoring. So uh, that guy I hated immediately. Uh, <laughs> asked for security to remove him. That didn't happen. So Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shame. Um, apparently we played terrible. I actually missed the match because of it. Cause I promised uh, this, this person that I, I wouldn't watch the game, which was you know one of our most important games of the season. So I, I was quite conflicted. Uh, from what I've seen and what I've read, we were absolutely abysmal. So to come away with a 2-1 loss, crucial away goal, I think we're very, very lucky. Looking at the team now, actually, we've got Newcastle in an hour. It's 1 p.m. in the UK. And I've just seen Willian in the starting lineup. So I'm going to close my laptop and scream. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you next week. <laughs> yeah, Arsenal uh, midweek, it wasn't a good game. Uh, they weren't great. For some reason, I chose to watch Arsenal and missed the United-Roma game, which is a cracker. Um, yeah, it was. But yeah, I mean, Arsenal weren't great. I mean, so, they were 2-0 down at one stage. It was... they were. Villarreal were almost cruising, but the coming away with 2-1 in the end was actually a great result for Arsenal. That was actually a cracking result, considering um, Ceballos got sent off as well. It was, uh, but yeah, I mean, when you're referring to that guy in the uh, <laughs> in Box Park, I went to um, I went to a pub, uh, it was like near Ellsfield last weekend, and it was like the Tottenham game was on, and there was mm. loads of Chelsea fans there, and when City scored, they were absolutely buzzing. So I don't know if the person you're referring to is like a Chelsea fan or a Tottenham fan who's just there like chanting against or like celebrating against Arsenal. But there were so many people doing that. And I said, like, I wouldn't, I just don't think I would do that. If I was in a pub and like, if Newcastle were getting beat, I wouldn't just start cheering and dancing on the table. <laughs> I yeah. don't care about them losing that much. No, you just be afraid of your head getting kicked in, I think. Yes, yes, that's, that is very true. And there was, there was a lot of people in that pub who definitely would kick my head in. So, <laughs> so yeah, kind of moving on to today's topic, the question kind of, which follows on from, uh, the whole ESL thing was, you know, is football a working class game? Mm. So it's it's a it's quite an interesting one because uh, you know we discussed about how UEFA is crooks and Platini is like the worst guy in the world, and like Set Blatter was just like a crook and horrible, and there's so much corruption and all the greed and all the negative stuff that came with the Super League and how bad it was. Um, but the one thing which really caught mm. my mind in the, in the media was James Corden about like, yeah, football's a working class <laughs> game. And, you know, that was kind of banded on by like a load of people. And, you know, football's roots is from the working class. You know, that's that's a well-known fact compared to sports like cricket and rugby, mm. which have been upper class games. But the, the question I really want to look at is, is it still a working class game? You know, you look at the money in the game now where you've got, you know, players worth 200 million pounds. <laughs> you've got little kids like, I can't even think of an example, like, you, something, something small, 
like a player costing five million pounds. You never really yeah. think about it, but like, <laughs> what? That's just nothing that, now as well. Yeah, yeah the, actual, the actual concept of like someone being five million is just is just mad. So that's kind of what I wanted to look into this week. You know, what does it even mean to be working class in twenty first century? You know, all these questions I hope to answer on this pod. Yeah, I think when we discuss this topic, we kind of mean kind of is it still accessible for everyone? And by everyone, that does typically mean the lower kind of socioeconomic um, members of society. Because obviously, if you've got money, <laughs> then you can typically access most things. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're talking about. And yeah, to get back to the ESL uh, to an extent, the the crosshairs have, I think anyway, recently in the press anyway this week, and I've seen a lot of tweets, um, the crosshairs have kind of moved from Agnelli, Perez, Woodward, all the bad guys, the ESL. And now it seems to be like set on the EPL, on, on the Premier League. Um, mm. I've seen a lot of tweets saying how like, oh, the Premier League is, is unfair and like, the wealth um, the wealth inequality, not just within the Premier League itself and say the Football League, but compare you compare um, the Premier League with, say, Serie A. I saw a lot of tweets around how Roma's revenue is a quarter um, yearly of Manchester United's, which I thought was unfair to an extent doing that mm. comparison because, I mean, how, much, how many times... I mean, Roma have been in the Champions League um, a lot in the last, say, 20 years. They've only won, like, one Scudetto since the... Um, changed the turn of millennium, I believe. So it was quite an unfair comparison. However, if you did compare Juve to United, for example, the properties would be a big gulf. But I think I just thought that was interesting how we now everyone stopped hating the ESL because it stopped happening, and now the crosshairs have been turned on the on the Premier League. Um, but I just think it's just it's just I think there's a lot of people in football just like to pretend that the the game isn't fundamentally flawed from a financial perspective. And then just like focus on one thing at the Premier League and say, okay, we if we stop the Premier League from being so rich, the world, the whole footballing world will be, will be fixed. But actually, that's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, so. that's just that's just not the case, really, is it? So the first question I kind of wanted to look at is what actually is uh, the working class in society and. By googling it, it was really difficult to find an answer, which kind of feeds into my point that depending mm. on who you ask, they have a different answer for it. Um, but generally, it's generally seen as a low skill paid job that requires minimal skill, but that can vary as well. So, yeah. you see people that worked in factories or dockyards beforehand, and now in the modern day, it looks like maybe a shop floor assistant, um, which I wouldn't say is low skilled because I used to do it, and <laughs> it was a very difficult job indeed. So, back to the point of is football a working class game? Yeah, I mean, we're in society now, when we talk about working class, it just means people with less money, doesn't it? Because yeah. we're no longer in a manufacturing kind of industry, we're in a kind of service industry, so yep. you have less factories, mills, things like that, where people are working. Um, you know, we are just talking about people with, with less money, and therefore, is it accessible? Is the game accessible? Can they afford to play? And can they afford to be a fan? I think it's two different different points which we'll come on to. Um, and I think in the game, there's kind of there's certain players that are... Um, what kind of define as being for a working class background? So someone like Lionel Messi is the classic example, obviously regarded as argu- arguably the best player of all time. You know, people talk about how he played football in the streets of Rosario and is now, you know, this wealthy, great footballer. Same with Neymar, same with Ronaldo, same with Rooney. I mean, the English game, he is the he is the guy that you say is um, you know synonymous with that kind of working class background. Even someone like Beckham, for to, to an extent. I mean, there's always that uh, <laughs> you, you used to have posters of Manchester United on his small his small bedroom they took him up to Manchester to play and became a superstar I think that's kind of the mm. that's where this comf- comes from I think a lot of the time um, but as you as you, you will come on to the, the game has moved on so much from them, those days even the 90s yeah very much so I mean <clears throat> football made a separation from rugby uh, way back in the 1800s um, 
and you know the sports haven't come together since mm. and it's during that time uh, before it became professional when it did become professional or is always seen as a game amongst uh, the working class of society in, in, in terms of accessibility and also cost and just generally I, I, you can identify with it because a lot of these sports you know even something like rugby isn't particularly expensive to start playing but it's the identity yeah. behind it um, you know five of the 12 founding members of the football league were from uh, mill towns mm. you know uh, the Manchester Shipping Canal and the coal mines uh, as as well clubs like Accrington, Blackburn, Bolton, Preston and Burnley uh, all their populations back then were dramatically filled with um, loads of people way back when because uh, of the mills uh, yeah. you know the county of Lancashire provided half of the founding members of the football league um, you know and that's kind of where this working class identity derived from when the football league was actually founded back in the 1800s so you know even later on during that period of time you know tickets were cheaper stadiums were massive but not structurally groundbreaking like you know the new tottenham stadiums like oh you can pour your own pint by putting it on this like little table and it fills up automatically <laughs> or, or like do you mean or the emirates is like oh we've got padded seats everywhere back then it was like old school stadiums standing areas where it would cram in as many people as possible and it you really you could really identify i think yourself with your club back then there was a real closeness between yeah. playing staff and fans which is so hard to do like i love like okay uh patrick Vieira. he has no idea who i am <laughs> <laughs> you know but back then with your local team you know the local players could know you if you're regulars at the stadium or the ground but the way the game is now that that's that's very very different yeah, I mean, people have telling me that Spurs have got the longest bar in what is in football. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what beer they're selling. Like, I really don't care. Like, that's not really what the game's about. Like, getting hot dogs to your seat. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, but ticket t- t- costs £100. Yeah, brilliant. It's, um, yeah, so Ayrson Park, that uh, Middlesbrough's old old ground before they moved to the Riverside Stadium, they used to have a, 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 an end called the uh, One Bob End because it was one bob to get in. I don't actually know what one bob is, but it sounds like a small amount of money. A small amount of money. Um, but back then, you know, tickets tickets were cheap. There was fewer restrictions on, like, standing capacity. Like, Sunderland against Newcastle had a record capacity at um, Roker Park of, like, 75,000. <laughs> yeah. It's mad. <laughs> um and so you could get in for cheap. Uh, these grounds were typically built within cities or suburbs, so they're easy to get to. There isn't really the transport cost. I mean, you compare that with a modern stadium. It's typically built outside of towns and cities because it's more expensive uh, because it's expensive in cities, so it's cheaper to build outside. There's then a transport cost to get there. You've got to drive there, and the whole thing is just a completely different experience. I mean, look at the AFC Wimbledon fiasco. I mean, this was like what you're talking like 25 years ago since mm. they the whole fiasco of them nearly moving to Dublin and eventually moving up to Milton Keynes, which is still the most bizarre story ever. But I mean, one of the drivers behind that is because Wimbledon is an incredibly expensive place to, to build a football stadium. Yeah. And so they tried to move it. And that's like, you know, that's how just how football has, has changed and moved on because you, know, you don't get grounds just in the middle of suburbs or in the city centres anymore because it's just too expensive. I really want to know what one bob is worth. <laughs> one bob i hope no middlesbrough fans are listening because there's a good chance i could have got that wrong but <laughs> I've, I've been reading um brian clough's jonathan wilson's done a biography of brian clough that i'm currently reading and i read it in there so um he's a very good source of information so if anyone wants to so, ba- yeah, so basically you you're shunning the responsibility onto uh what's the name jonathan wilson, jonathan wilson. i assume he's not listening so yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice very very good so kind of moving on to like the modern era um in terms of you know fans and whether it's still a working class game as we've discussed earlier you know 
as I said earlier, singular men, like Neymar's transfer fee alone, <laughs> I don't think to the day I die I'll earn as much money as that. You know, the concept of men costing five, 10, 15, 30 million pounds is just mad. And I think that the amount of money in the game, which is why I've kind of said from the 80s onwards, is because that's when, you know, big, big money started to enter football. It's in particular yep. the 90s. And, you know, you mentioned like how pundits, you know, and reporters were saying, you know, what about the fans when it comes to the Super League? And, oh, it's going to destroy the Premier League. It will destroy mm. football. But when you ask that question again, what about the fans, right? Let's apply it to Arsenal. You know, like Arsenal, I've mentioned it about 10 <laughs> times per pod every minute or so. Mm. The most expensive season ticket is two grand with the cheapest coming in at 800. Chelsea is 1.25k for the most expensive, 595 for the cheapest. Tottenham's is basically 1.9k for the most expensive, uh, 795 uh, for the cheapest, uh, which which is an expense in itself. Okay, to see some category A fixtures at Arsenal, so you have category A, B, and C, and I think you've got a cup. A is like your top tier Man United Chelsea games. You're looking at about £80 plus in some cases for an average price ticket there. There'll be more expensive ones for sure in the hundreds. A cheaper lower tier Prem games of Arsenal player Sunderland. Uh, so obviously like a second tier team. Not very good. Uh, <laughs> you're, looking at, <laughs> you're looking at about £45 or so. Uh, you know, and away from football, you know, in particular in London, which is more of a focus for for me because obviously I can relate to it. There's mm. always a talk about rising costs. So it actually affects London, but also everywhere around the country, but maybe not as quickly. Uh, you know, where wages aren't matching living costs. So when we say football is a working class game, you have to look at working class jobs, right? So yeah. how feasible is it for someone on 18 or 18 to 21k to part with, let's say, 160 pounds a month watching Arsenal when you have to factor in rent, food and bills? Yeah. You know, obviously there there are shop floor assistants that are living at home and whatever. But for you know some people, that's their main income and they have to survive. You know, they might have children as well. Even if you're up to to 21k a year, that's about 1.5k a month. And in London, you're looking at 700 rents. So you're already down to 800 pounds a month. Yeah, you got food. You know, let's say 60 six uh, 50 pound a week, so 600 without factoring yield. <laughs> phone contracts etc the match day itself is expensive the hot dogs at arsenal stink and they're expensive <laughs> there's a lot of hot dogs at arsenal there are a lot of hot dogs at arsenal you know traveling to and from the games like you know home games okay you could get let's say if you're in london it'll be a five or a ten but if you're coming in from elsewhere on the national rail you're going to yeah. get sold an absolute <laughs> hot dog speaking of hot dogs yeah exactly i'm not going to go on about how ridiculous train prices are but that's another part of it as well yeah that's, that's some strong math set to be fair working out the budget um, but in your calculations as well, that's factored in a single person going to game. What happens if uh, going to a game? What what happens if you're taking your partner and two kids? Yeah. <laughs> like you've got train, you've got food, you've got drinks, you've got match day ticket, you've got merchandise. It's so much money. I, I work with a um a Chelsea fan and she's she's a big Chelsea fan, but she she takes her kids normally to Charlton, but and to Chelsea basically as a treat whenever they can. Mm. <laughs> because the Chelsea deal for her, she's got three kids and she goes with her husband. So five of them getting tickets and then getting the train. And obviously they're paying for the kids, paying for food. You know, the food kids need to eat. <laughs> they need mm. to they need, they want stuff. They want sweets, drinks. They might want merchandise. It costs hundreds and hundreds of pounds on the day. And it's just for a Saturday afternoon going to a football game. And it might be a bad game. They might get beat. It's a lot, it's a lot of money. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you get, you get, you get nothing for free. I, I do get that. I, I discussed this on the ESL uh, podcast we did last week. Like, you know, you can't expect this, this, to enjoy this product that is the Premier League as it is, and it'd be free. Oh, it'd be ten pound a ticket. Yeah, you, you can't expect that. But it's just, it's so much money, and um, 
you know, that's why a lot of, lot of like families and particularly in London go to, to, to place like Charlton, for example, where it's cheaper and perhaps it's more local to them than, than Chelsea, for example. And, um, which I mean, it's, it depends where they live, but mm. because it's, it's cheaper and it's just more accessible. No, I, I completely agree with you. And even looking at things, we, we mentioned obviously taking the family and kids. What about the kits? So you want to put <laughs> your, you want to put your two kids in the latest Arsenal jersey. I think kids tops are about forty pound or thirty pound a head. All these clubs, why do they? Big clubs now send authentic match day tops, right? Which is meant to be yeah. with the players there for a hundred pounds. Why? <laughs> why are you bu- like why are you but like forget okay that, that's that's slightly different point i just had to put this in because it just angers me it's like oh yeah i want to wear the top that Bemiang wears when he plays for arsenal no mate it's a hundred pounds yeah but it feeds into the point right where even a standard adult jersey is now about 60 pounds you know these these are fees and amounts that you know drive the working class out of the game or leave them with heavy holes in their pockets because it's so expensive. You know, even moving away from clubs, you have Gary Lineker smiling, being like, "Yeah, fans <laughs> won and we've destroyed the Super League." It's like, have we? You know, have we? Have we? Have we destroyed the main issue in football, which is TV subscriptions? They're extortionate. To have Sky Beach is a luxury for many families. You know, loads of my friends didn't have it growing up. I was fortunate to have it in my teens, and then to then have the sports package on top of it because Sky don't just give you Sky Sports for free. You have to buy the package as well. Mm. That costs money. You know, the the amount of paywalls in front of people now to be able to see some of their favorite players, even if they can't go to the stadium. So let's say, okay, can't go to the stadium. It's too expensive for my two kids and my wife. Let's watch it at home. But to pay for Sky is expensive. You know, we grew up in an era on TV where we had ITV Champions League in England on BBC and ITV. Now that's changed. I know England are sometimes on BBC, but often their Euro qualifiers are all on Sky where you have to pay Mm. for that as well. Nations League, yeah. Exactly. Even the papers, I love the athletic, but what they've gone and done is right. Okay. So David Ornstein, uh, you know, all of these reporters for a variety of um, publications that were all free. Let's put them behind another paywall. And it's, <laughs> yeah. like, and it's like, okay, great. So now my 20 favorite reporters, I now have to pay to see them. And it all feeds into my point where there's so many restrictions in place that doesn't make it accessible for the working class within our society to actually watch football, let alone at the stadiums, but just to physically watch it. I mean, the only thing that they can really do is go on to like Ronaldo7.com and illegally <laughs> stream it, and Classic. you get bombarded with loads of ad- uh, adverts and pop-ups which I won't really go into. <laughs> I love how the Athletic were absolutely slated in the Super League. They are the Super League of journalism. They are. <laughs> They've just taken everyone's favourite, uh, as you said, reporters, journalists, and, you know, make them pay for it and it's all it's all great these subscriptions i mean we're, we're getting away from football a bit here but like yeah yeah oh yeah it's only it's only 9.99 a month well everything is, is 9.99 a month so we get to a point where I go back to your budget i'm gonna have nothing left at the end of the, <laughs> end of the month mm. i'm gonna eat so i'm paying for all these subscriptions for everything because everything is becoming just more expensive and it's coming pay for pay-per-view and yeah you can't get things for free but at the same time like people are just getting like squeezed for all the for the cash like and i suppose this overall topic there are, as I mentioned briefly earlier, I think there are two sides to it. Like we talk about accessibility for the working class. We've talked about it mainly from a fan point of view. You've got to think from two angles. You've got, is the game still accessible as a player? And is mm. it still accessible as a fan? I think as a player, it is still quite accessible. And we talked about get a comparing to other sports, something like cricket, and this is not a new thing. It is more expensive to play because you have to be able to, you know, buy the pads, buy the bats, these were expensive helmets, all these different things that you need to, to basically play the game. And also, um, these are not things that you can typically uh, play on your own. So it's kind of getting to a, a more of a, a point about football generally being um, so popular. But with football, you can you can buy a football. It's not too expensive. 
you can get affordable boots, even though some boots now are really expensive and some footballs. But you can get affordable boots. You can get an affordable football. And in theory, you can go out and play on your own or you can play with friends on quite a cheap basis. You can join football teams. You have subs. You have transport costs. You do have the factors that if you know if you do have someone from a, a lower working class um, background, um, lower socioeconomic background, parents might be working a lot, might not have the time to take them to games. Yeah, that, these are all barriers. It's it's still not expensive to join football teams. Really, it's not like as difficult. So as for a, for a playing perspective, it is still accessible, I believe. But from a fan's perspective, it's just so much money, and it's they're actually people are getting priced out. And Perez is talking about why. Um, or how the, the the youth don't don't want to watch football anymore. It's because they can't afford to. If their parents don't mm. want to pay for it, if their parents aren't football fans, don't want to pay for it, well, they're not they're not going to be able to watch it. So it's all well and good Perez saying that, but you know he's part of the problem. His club is part of the problem. You know, I talk about the ESL. You know, Danny, can I go to an away game this season? Oh, it's going to be in Madrid. Yeah, it's going to be cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the Wanda Metro- Metropolitano uh, Athletics new new stadium. Yeah, flight hotel. Yeah, uh, match day ticket. That's going to be cheap, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. it's making the game more accessible. It's just—it's just part. They're all part of the problem. It's just—I uh, find it um, deplorable, really. Yeah, no, you're not wrong because you know some of our European counterparts are are really good with their ticketing and and their pricing for games, mm. but obviously for people in England, yeah, you have to get there. So it's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> let's go, let's go to Wolfstadion in Germany. Okay, well, how much is going to cost to go to Germany and then accommodation? Oh yeah, yeah, and, and those super, and those Super League tickets aren't going to be cheap. No, they're not. <laughs> they're, not they're certainly not. And it, it's kind of like, how does how can you actually change that? And it's not really a question which is being discussed in football at all because I think a lot of fans are kind of they've just they're quite accepting of it and they're quite deluded in a way because you know as i said earlier everyone's got their arms folded chuffed with their chest puffed out because they defeated the super league but actually this growing problem in football has been about for decades and it's mm. only getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger i mean arsenal's uh biggest season ticket now is 2k it will be 3k in about seven eight years yeah. <laughs> you know it'll be 5k <laughs> when i'm by the time i'm 40 like it's not really going to end and you know private private broadcasters are off limits because you know you can't say to Sky, oh, it's got to be for the fans because that's not what their business model was ever about. Mm. It's nothing to do with fans. They're, they're a business trying to get profits, capitalism at its finest. But I think what the ESL has highlighted is that if fans truly care about a cause, they can alter the minds of clubs and government. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, we've got Boris Johnson coming out saying, you know, we're putting in <laughs> regulations in place so that clubs can't leave the ESL. Funnily enough, this is the final point I'm going to make on Boris Johnson, the ESL. The ESL, <laughs> the ESL clubs actually met with him and he originally backed it. But obviously, yeah. <laughs> for publicity, he came out running like like Batman to, to start saying, yeah, you know, we can't do it, all this sort of stuff. But the point I'm trying to get is that we could put legislations in place as a government or with fans to try and change it. You know, we've reached a state in the game, I think now, where the game has lost its link to those it originally aimed to serve, which is the fans. You know, you put these clubs, clubs weren't made for profit. As you said, like when you mm. play at your local team, you don't play for profit because it's obviously, it's it's non-league and you don't get any money for it. You play for enjoyment and for the fans to enjoy it. But as the years have gone on and decades have gone on, that's kind of been lost. And we're now at a stage where these football clubs care about profit. Mm. And fans should realise that, they, you know, they have the ability to change that. You know, if they want to, and their masses by complaining and protesting, but I don't think they do it often enough. I know Liverpool did. I think fans are complaining about ticket prices there, and Liverpool back down. So you know, these things can happen. But I also think that the people that we're talking about have already been driven out the game, right? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of these people were saying of oh, the working class. A lot of the time, it's a treat 
They can't want, they can't afford, and it shouldn't be a treat. If you love your club, you should be able to go if tickets are available every single week. Yeah. But I think for the many people that we're discussing, football is already a treat for them. It's the one game, or if not, it's an illegal stream because it is too expensive to mm. fo- watch and follow. No, I just think, I think fans are, um, it's just, they're just not important football clubs anymore to an extent. I mean, overall, viewership is because that's part of the TV deals. You know, if no one watches the games on TV, then these TV deals will be less, they'll get more money. Uh, sorry, less money. Um, but, you know, in, in 1960, if no one showed up to, you know, Ayrson Park, for example, the one, the one Bob End, if no one hmm. showed up, then the players didn't get paid, the club would go bust. But now, I mean, I know a lot of clubs are losing money during COVID for a number of reasons. One of them reasons is because um, grounds are empty, but football is still going on and it is still moving forwards. You know, I've got problems with the EFL clubs struggling, etc. But football's changed now. It's not about football anymore. It's about it's about sponsorships, about commercial deals. I mean, look how much money Manchester United made from commercial deals. They've got like sponsorships were like they've got like what was it I saw on Twitter? It was like I think you mentioned they've got a, a, uh, they used to have an official like sleep partner. Was yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're, they're like partnered up what? with like dreams mattresses or something absolutely wild. What? And like, yeah, it's like so. I just the point is, and I had a we had a discussion actually with some of our friends recently, didn't we, about you know what makes someone actually a true fan? You know, football has changed. You know, audiences are wider. I want Sunderland to be the best club in the world. So for Sunderland to be the best club in the world, they can't just have fans within 10, 10 mile radius of the of the, of the uh, stadium, can they? They can't. So therefore, they need to have viewers that are overseas. And therefore, you know, what makes a true, true fan anymore, you know, inverted commas, has changed. The game has changed. But I just think the, the local fan or just the fan generally, I just don't think clubs really care about them anymore. And so nah. this whole idea, as you said about Lineker, talking about how it's, it's, it's fan power. Is it fan power? I just, I'm just not too certain it is. Like it's, it's pressure from more than just the fans, and it's, it's just, um, yeah, it just, it stinks. I mean, Lineker does stink a bit on Twitter, I'm sick. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you said that because I was literally about to say that I need to start referencing Lineker because he's absolutely toilet. <laughs> I've referenced him a few times. I thought, you know, I actually really don't like Gary Lineker. So I don't know why I've given him airtime on this pod. So Gary Lineker, if you're listening, please don't listen anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you, you are right, though. It's just a lot of people that work for these companies, you know, they believe they're not part of the problem. They're all there like, yeah, yeah, so I'll see you later. But it's like, you're part of the problem. Like, how can you not see that? You know, you've got Gary Lineker, you've got Jamie Carragher, all of the Sky guys popping up being like, yeah, it's great. Jermaine G, and this is another one. Um, even though, to be fair, he, he is on... Um, BT or not BT? Yeah, he's on BT, isn't he? But it's just yeah, that, is, yeah. It, it, that's that's part of it, isn't it? Is that I think a lot of fans have been duped by we've defeated this huge monster, but secretly, you know, a, a lot of football now is is for those that can afford, and it's not really for everyone, which is a shame. Fans need to look at their clubs and look at their leagues. Like a lot of people are criticizing Sky, and I've I do agree with that. You know, Sky are part of the problem, but who's at the end of the day who's selling the rights to Sky? The Premier League. And yeah. who's, made, who's the Premier League made up of? It's founding members. You know, it's yeah. your club that is ultimately doing this. And the Premier League coming out and saying, um, oh, yeah, this is against the uh, kind of the ethics or the values of football. Well, you weren't, you weren't saying that when you formed the Premier League and sold the rights to Sky for several billion pounds. It's just, it's just nonsense. I just find it like, <laughs> I just find it nonsense. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> on the yeah, I think that's I think I shit. <laughs> I mean, don't worry about it, mate. Obviously, you know, Sunderland will become a superpower sometime soon. So. That is very true. Very true. It wasn't really relevant to anything you just said, but I just thought that made you feel, <laughs> I thought feel better. Yeah, no, definitely. So 
on that note, before I, I burst into even more tears, um, let's wrap up there. Thank you, Etches, for um, the information this week. I thought it was a really interesting uh, discussion on this uh, this issue of the ESL and just wider uh, financial inequality in, in football and whether or not the the, yeah, the game is still is still there for the the working class. But yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I guess we'll never really know. We'll never find out. But hopefully, football will change for the better. But yeah, thank you all, guys, for for listening this week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Brilliant. Cheers, guys.